folks, it's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Last week, we did a show um, on uh, national issues, the uh, 2021 as national and state issues. Today, we want to focus on what's happening in Sedona, what happened in 2021, and what the Sedona City Council plans are for 2022. We have with us Mayor uh, Sandy Moriarty. Say hello, Sandy, so we check your voice. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Kathy Kinsella, who's a counselor. Hello, and Happy New Year. And Holly Plug, who's a, a counselor. Good morning, Sedona. And actually, the, the, the terrible thing is that, the, is that both Kathy and Holly are much better at doing this than I am. And they sat <laughs> in as co-host, and they just did spectacular jobs. And I think you, I forwarded some of the, the positive feedback we had for your guys' shows. And, and that was a difficult show, Holly, to take in climate change and stuff. And, um, and uh, you did a great job talking to the to the recorder and, and elections you. people. Um, the this, this thing is, and you're talking to Republicans, and the thing is that, that we have all these doubts about elections, but we have extremely ethical people, Republicans in Yavapai County and Democrats in Coconino, and all these, uh, I believe they're all women, all these women are 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 absolutely trustworthy and honest and uh, professional beyond their political party and collaborative and collaborative and they work they work and well and willing to talk to anybody about election I sometimes get this stuff about election. I see you can actually volunteer. You know, you can go in and watch the process. Mm-hmm. You know, you can even get paid for it. And it, uh, you know, I, uh, so what. We want to talk about what Sedona, um, what happened with Sedona last year. Um, my feeling, and I think a feeling a lot of people, is that government is not good at getting out its message about what it's done. Compared to private sector, private sector is faster and quicker, and they're willing to spend more money to get their story out. And so... What I thought today is we would talk about what the, what the city council, what the city, the Sedona city government did this last year, and then what do folks are uh, um, thinking about doing next year. And there's three issues that stood out for me, and these can be uh, different for you, for you folks. You, could, you may have a different – but traffic – is, is an issue perennial in Sedona housing, particularly affordable or workforce housing. I think, you know, I think people have given up on affordable housing and workforce housing is about it. But there's been these terrible controversies. Every time you try to build it anywhere, it seems to me that the NIMBYs come out and the, the project in. And then finally, finally about sustainability and, and the relationship of, of Sedona with the, the national forests around us and how we can have sustainable uh, tourism so that the, the area is not uh, damaged. Um, shall we start with traffic? Uh, Sandy, you, you want to address it first, and then we'll just kind of go down the list. And anything you want to talk about, just 
you know, raise your hand or wiggle your ears. <laughs> oh, wiggle your ears. That'll be interesting. Well, I, uh, I, I can't even do show. that. So, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and anyway. So well, well, traffic has always been a major issue in Sedona. I, I've been here 50 years this week. Oh, my God. And I didn't uh, even think you were that old. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> But, and, and traffic, frankly, has always been an issue here because there are only three ways in and three ways out. So, so, and we have a lot of visitors, as you all know, every year. And, and that's that's another bone of contention. How many visitors do we have? Well, I swear that when I came here 50 years ago, I heard two to four million or two to three million. <laughs> and guess what we hear today? Two to four, maybe three to five. I mean, it just hasn't changed very much. So. And it's hard to tell, but but there's no question we get a lot of visitors, and many of them are in cars. And the only way we can really, we can't build our way out of it by building roads. So the only way we can really solve, and we're not probably never going to actually solve it because of the infrastructure situation, but we need to get people out of their cars. And so what we're planning to do with transit is a major component of it. We, uh, when I was first elected seven years ago, we were in the, about to complete a major transportation study, the likes of which had not been done in 25 years. So when we finished that study, that was what I saw as, okay, let's not just set it on the shelf. Now we're going to do something from it. And we came out of it with a major multimodal transportation plan, master plan, and we are beginning to implement that. So when, when we start to implement anything, we're always going to uh, get complaints from someone. There is nothing we can do that someone won't complain about, and traffic is certainly no different. They complain about what you don't do, and they complain about what you do do. Absolutely. Absolutely and always, yes. Have you found anywhere in the universe you could put in workforce housing, for example? Uh well, I think some are in a better position than others, yeah. and capacity is a major issue when it comes to affordable housing. And, of course, any time government does anything, we need data to back up what we're doing. And right. so we have had that done. That's one of the things we've done this year. We completed a, a housing study, and, and we're going moving forward based on, on that housing study. I know that you guys actually have to do studies and plans, and I, but, I, you know, it's when I moved here 20 years ago or 19 years ago, they talked about what you said, two to four million tourists. We always had a problem. But when I was a, a tour guide, you know, spring vacations filled with all those cars and stuff was a really good thing because that's how people in Sedona made their living. And I would think even if you're like a, a massage therapist or something, the tourism spreads out into the whole rest of our economy. And so we were really happy to see all those people for spring vacation but even when we moved here there was a little bit of a conflict between the retirees who don't need all this stuff don't need no traffic and um, the employees in Sedona who are much larger percentage of them lived in Sedona 20 years ago and they they had we really wanted advertising we really wanted an active program to bring tourists to Sedona we wanted the jobs um but let's just return to, to what we were talking about, traffic. So you don't think there's any – Sedona seems to me almost uniquely designed to have traffic problems because of the the, the topography of, of the place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is there nothing that can be done about the traffic coming up from 
from the valley, from uh, Phoenix. <laughs> you uh, know, it's a, we're, we live in a democracy still at this point, and so it's hard to stop people from coming here. Uh, they're going to drive up, and, and then with the advent of Airbnbs in neighborhoods, it has spread tourism right in all the way into the neighborhoods, and the traffic comes with it. I think that's a good point because originally, you know, the, the people say there was a lot of traffic, but the traffic was only on 89A, you know, basically, and 179. And once you got off in the neighborhood, there was no traffic at all. And it didn't even it didn't matter. Spring vacation, places filled with people for three to six weeks. The neighborhoods were quiet. Now that's not that's not as true. Of course, trailheads in neighborhoods always attracted some people, so there was always that, and that is still a factor. And that's something we are doing something about, by the way. Right. So. There are miles of no parking signs around trailheads now, <laughs> folks. Uh, um, bring your bicycle, you know, because uh, uh, it's hard to park. So let's... Let's uh, let's talk to Kathy. Steve, I want to get back to housing that you mentioned sure. because I think it's one of the areas in which we've made so much progress over 2021 uh, in terms of what Sedona as a government has been able to do. Uh, if you think about it, we're we're partnering with Cottonwood. We have a joint housing manager now that is looking at solutions in a regional coordinated way instead of just lamenting about what can or can't be built in Sedona. So that's a that was a big Plus, I think, a real big step forward. We have um, maintained now a relationship with Housing Solutions of Northern Arizona for um, home counseling and a, a down payment assistance program. That's a big step. That helps anybody in the workforce in Sedona proper would be eligible to apply for this program, which would be down payment assistance, which, again, it's not a giveaway. It's a loan. It does get paid back, but it's good investment in our city and in our citizens, in developing citizenry and in developing a workforce that serves our citizenry. Um, we've also got Sunset Lofts underway now, which is a partnership to build, was that 45 units, I think, of, of, of permanent it's 50-year deeded, but that's really permanent for a lifetime, uh, housing for the local workforce here. So there have been really great strides forward. I mean, think of those are three major initiatives that have happened in one calendar year toward a, a real, something tangible solutions toward a, a real problem that we've been experiencing. Holly, do you have a uh, comment on that? I know that the the, the the single men mostly, but also women that I worked with in uh, housing um, in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, wow, my brain's going, um, in the, uh, uh, um, tourist industry. When I worked with them, all of them have, all of their housing's been pretty much eliminated. There were certain areas up over here where a bunch of the guys lived. I think those who have people had partners are still maybe still in Sedona, but the single people have been pretty much completely forced out. I know that you guys are doing a good job now, but the Airbnbs and Bs and other factors have just pushed the number of actual employees who live in Sedona way to a, to an all-time low. I think. Well, the other. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Holly. And it Go contributes ahead. to traffic because the more yeah. we have people who are commuting into town, the more traffic we have to put up with as well, uh, and are you know clogging our streets. So when you go out early in the morning, as I know you do, when you go to hike every day, you can see the impact of that. You can see it on 89A, all the people who are commuting in. 
even though we have a shuttle now and we've increased the hours of the shuttle to try to accommodate more travelers and commuters from the Cottonwood area, we still see a lot of vehicles. And going down um, Cook's Hill in the afternoon at 4 o'clock, I come up the hill from the art center usually, and there's a massive traffic jam almost every day. There are the massive jam on the days that you would predict that there would be one, but there's also there are also problems not. Those people don't have transportation if you live in Camp Verde or... Rimrock or something, there's there's no shuttle or something to take you to work. And so I suspect, given that it's around 4 o'clock, then those are mostly employees heading off work. And they, they don't live in Cottonwood. They live, you know, in the other parts of the valley. You know, I look at the license plates uh, to see who actually are those cars. Of course, if you're going down Cooks Hill, people are coming up. You can't see necessarily their license plates because we don't have... That's license right. I'm on always the front of our uphill, <laughs> right. and I'm always so glad I'm going uphill rather than downhill. <laughs> but I do look, and and there, uh, a lot of the cars are out of state license plates, so it's not necessarily just the commuting population, although that certainly is a contributing factor. But we're looking. You know, we have transit. I wanted to talk about transit sure. a little bit. Because I think we've made great progress this year as well. We hired a transit manager, and we've uh, started the process of actually having transit available for the spring break in 2022. So just a few months from now, we're going to have trailhead shuttle service that will go out to a number of the most popular trailheads, as well as an agreement with the Forest Service around parking at some of those trailheads to eliminate parking so that the only access or reduced parking would be through the transit shuttles. How will, the, how will that work, uh, Ollie? Well, there's going to be different locations in the city where people can't come and get on the bus and then a, a hub where you can transfer from one bus to another. And those are still in the process of being finalized. So we will have, for example, location um, in West Sedona up at the Posse Ground Park where people will be able to catch a shuttle bus and go out to popular trailheads on this side of town. And then there will also be a hub located down 179, for example, which is still in the process of being finalized, where there'll be parking and shuttle stop so that people can go down to Cathedral Rock and to other uh, trailheads in that part of town. So we'll try to be spacing out the shuttle service and not have a single location where everyone will be parking. We've also bought property that will uh, enable us to have park and ride outside of town. So there's a lot of things in the process, and we'll also have on-demand uh, transportation in the summer of next year, which will connect to the shuttles. So it's just the beginning of a 10-year implementation process to have buses throughout the city, but at least this spring break we will have try to eliminate some of the congestion at the trailheads that we saw last year by having the shuttle system place. Yeah, if you get out and drive and, and hike like uh, um, I do, the 
massive amount of parking along Dry Creek Road. It's just astonishing. I mean, you go, I mean, how many hundred cars are parked here? It's just, it's totally amazing. So you're trying to solve part of that, a uh, part of that issue. Um, and you're, is this sort of beginning to sort of experiment and try things out in this next year? Or you think you've got, got it pretty well figured out? I think we will always learn. We'll continuously learn and have to adapt and adjust. So that's one thing. So you're doing transit. Um, and all these things tie in, of course. Yes. You know, when you're, when you're doing transit, you're not just only attacking that problem of the parking and issues, but it's a big environmental issue as well, you know, to keep those, all of those fumes from being on our local roads and trying to have people not be wasting all of that gas and using more fossil fuels. And, uh, you know, and we're trying to move into using vehicles that we can that are environmentally friendly where we can. So when you say buses, you're not talking about great big Greyhound style no, buses? No, <laughs> no, we're not. And by the way, our, our shuttle buses will be hybrid buses. Right. We are not at the point where we can go fully electric, but that's our intention in the next few years. Yeah, definitely. Moving toward electric. And, of course, we're back to, you know, when you have housing locally, you're also helping the environment because you're not bringing people in commuting from further reaches. Uh, all of these issues tie in together. It's the one, the one big Sedona issue is all of the issues. <laughs> right. And actu- actually, there is a Verde shuttle that is operating now to bring people in from Cottonwood and Camp Verde. Yeah. So it's not. But it goes all the way down to Camp Verde. It does. Okay. I thought it was just the, the, yeah. the going to Cottonwood. Um, so and then Forest Road is another major initiative, a traffic initiative. That's all right, well, going tell to us about that. What's Forest Road? So, so Forest Road is an extension of Forest Road from Uptown, where the Chamber Visitor Center is. And when that com- that extension is completed, anyone who lives in Uptown will be able to avoid going through the roundabouts to get to West Sedona. That sounds like a really good idea. I must say that I go to to Uptown and. At least twice a week, every week. And, and, and as transit develops, yeah. we'll have a dedicated bus lane down down the hill, which will make a difference for those who ride it so that tra- transit isn't getting stuck You're talking traffic. on 89A going 89A down A going down, yes. But, the city's done a lot for uptown, and you know if you if you go to uptown a lot, the traffic improvements there are really great. They're very visible. Um, the control of tourists to keep them from all over being all over the streets all the time, with the fencing and everything else works pretty well. I mean, there's probably room for improvement, and of course, but I don't see anything done with you've done anything for folks coming up from from Phoenix with the to the route south of of Sedona. Is there anything you can do? One of the things that made it a little easier to focus on traffic uh, improvements and configuration improvements in Uptown was that that's area under our local control. Right. And when we're talking about 89A through West Sedona or you're talking about 179, those are ADOT-controlled roads. Now, we have a good relationship with ADOT and one that's been improving over recent years as well. Um, But it still does take that coordination and multi-agency sign off and and who's funding what and who's got jurisdiction over what so there are certain challenges with that it was a sort of a lower fruit to pick to for uptown because that road right. is wholly under sedona's jurisdiction 
So that one's pr- pretty much re- uh, fixed. But I heard that ADOT was going to put signage that was going to say how long it would take to get yeah, the flag it staff does, going. It's there. I see it, but it's tiny little stuff that I think people are going to ignore. Well, I mean, you, if you're a driver, you're almost past it. I mean, people are going 75 miles an hour. Well, you're the, almost past it before you cognitively. The leave. irony to me, though, Steve, is that when you're driving up, by, I've noticed this several times and, and sort of, you know, chuckle in an ironic way. Uh, when you see the how many minutes it is into Sedona via 260, or 179, 179 is still coming in as less, as more direct with less time. So using that signage, which was supposed to disperse traffic out and urge people toward 260 as an alternate route, if you don't know the area and you're just going by the signage, it hasn't really proven to... Counterproductive. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say counterproductive, but, but it lets people know. But what has to happen, and it is happening is we're working on getting that sign moved onto the Copper Canyon uh, as you come down into Camp Verde. And, and the issue there was there was no power for that sign in that place. That's why it didn't happen sooner. Yeah, I think uh, folks, at least on social media, are so impatient about everything. Mm-hmm. They want everything yesterday. They want you yes. to have a traffic, uh, solve the traffic problems, but not have a traffic study, you know, because the traffic study takes too long. And... Um, but still coming up from there, it, the, the the idea I would would think is to to get some of the Flagstaff people who – people are going to Flagstaff in the Grand Canyon – to get them to go up directly instead of coming through Sedona and up the canyon so that you'd need times to get to Flagstaff from a particular place via Sedona or not. And that would show the difference in the amount of time it takes to get from, from one place to another. Um that I, I was thought was a really good idea, and then I I don't see a dot has really uh, adapted it so that it you know that it works. Um, is there anything else that can be done? We've got all this traffic. I mean, Phoenix metro area is one of the fastest growing um, areas in the country. <laughs> I'm down there. Um, strapped to electrocardiogram machine mm-hmm. and the guy running it, the young man in his, his 20s said to me, what's your favorite hiking trail in Sedona? <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy's, yeah, where do you think we should go? So we love going up there. So when people talk about chamber advertising, I just laugh because if I'm if I'm all wired up, <laughs> they're asking me about Sedona hiking trails. There's no way to undo this with younger people in the in the in the, the, the metro Phoenix area. This is not unique to Sedona. Anywhere where you have a destination, a beautiful destination area that offers the sort of recreation that we do two mile, two, two hours or less out of a metropolitan area, you're going to have this. You see this in other states. It's not, it's not unique to Sedona. But, but there is something unique to Sedona or unique to Arizona. We can't control our own destiny. Exactly. You know, I was in Colorado this summer and all the local newspapers had articles about short-term rentals as mm-hmm. an example. Mm-hmm. And what the local cities and towns were considering doing, none of which we can do here because we are prevented by law from doing it. So when you take away a lot of what would, in normal circumstances, be our ability to uh, control our own destiny, then you're in a you know, much more difficult situation. So it has a greater impact. But as you know, we, we stopped advertising 
using city dollars this Oh, I year. did want to ask about that. Uh, um, what's happening with the destination marketing? Because I'm on um, social media, and a woman is complaining because there's marketing of Sedona in some rural area of Japan. Now, I did a whole lot of work with Japanese tourists, and almost all of them either come as buses or they're you know, very often young women who fly fly together. I thought they were in their 20s, but I was told by the Japanese guy they're actually in their 30s. You had to be in your 30s to have enough money to do this. And they uh, takes a shuttle up to Sedona, and they wake up to the Red Rock, and they go hiking and climbing formations, doing all kinds of things that I've told is, is impossible. But I'm on social media, and there's someone complaining about the city spending and in rural Japan for advertising. I... I, you can I, look I, at our I, budget I, online. We have not spent any money to advertise in rural Japan or anywhere else for that matter. Correct. What is the situation? Um, uh, you know, social media, don't forget, exists everywhere, not just here. So, so it's 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 impossible to control social media. Word gets out on social media whether you have paid advertising or not. So yeah, I, I, I think but the that's vitriol a good point. on social media regarding. Um, Rumors, innuendo, just out and out incorrect information that spreads. I mean, it's it's harmful. The city's challenged in a way to get out the information about what it is that we've been doing. Here we are at the start of a new year, the year we just closed, extremely productive. I mean, you've heard about new roads going in to to deal with this, a shuttle system that's coming online, housing solutions that have really been put in place. I mean, this is a very productive year, but if you go on social media, you will not find people saying that. Now, we don't have the same wherewithal to put out the information and messaging that something like Coca-Cola or McDonald's or some sort of corporate structure would have, right? They advertise to keep their name alive. They advertise to increase revenue. We are not increasing revenue. We're not for profit. We're a government trying to use tax dollars that are raised through sales and bed tax responsibly to the benefit of all of our citizens. We divide that money between programs that are actually offering hands-on services. We're not out there doing that kind of advertising to build up a message. So it, it's it's double-sided. I mean, you know, we're trying to spend money prudently and to the best interest, but we can't get our messages out. I think that's I think that's absolutely true. Social media, you're a do nothing council, mm-hmm. collectively. Even the mayor's on the council. Uh, a do nothing council. That's one thing. And I look at you guys. I think this is the most proactive council I've ever seen. I've been here for 20 years. This is like, but they say the same things whether you do anything or not. They say you're not doing anything, whatever you do. And. Um, the other thing is that you guys only – here's the other thing there that's common on social media. The city council, and whoever can answer this, or if you all want to answer it, social media uh, says the city council only cares about Sedona businesses. They don't care about us poor, benighted, very, very wealthy <laughs> citizens. What's the story on that? You care only about Sedona's business? I mean – as someone who worked in Sedona for 10 years, a little longer maybe, uh, um, I, I want you to support Sedona businesses because that's what employed us. Uh, I think it's important to keep a, a vital economy going in Sedona. And, and we have an economic engine built in. 
that's tourism. We we can't get rid of it if we want to, unless no. unless you destroy the red rocks or something. So so it, so it's important that we keep our economic engine alive and well and functioning. But everything we do, I, I can't think of anything we do that isn't at least for both residents and tourists. And there are many things we do that primarily benefit residents. I think they're they're ever since I've been here and they move from one website to another and so forth. There's people who really hate the city council and hate the chamber of commerce and they don't change what they say based on facts or what's actually occurring. Um, But there's a lot of new people being recruited to this sort of um, on the national level. There's a lot of hatred of government. I was surprised a couple of years ago when I realized that there was a hatred of local government from with a lot of the same ideas. You guys are wasting money. Um, the woman was very, very concerned about you spending taxpayer dollars, her money being spent in rural Japan for advertising. And, of course, all the advertising that the council has ever done has been paid basically by their raising taxes for it. So well, it's never and, and bed taxes specifically on tourists right. only. So the tourists are paying, even in the days when Sedona advertised more heavily, this was a few years ago, um, the tourists were paying to be the, to advertise to more tourists. But what's the situation now? Oh, Kathy, how about you? Uh, what's the situation now with with you, with the city council, and the chamber of commerce, and the great ongoing controversy about destination marketing? Well, last year the city was quite clear in its message that the. Um, any of the, the the money coming from the city will not be used on destination marketing, and that was worked out with the chamber, and that that happened. That came to fruition. We are not spending tax monies that are raised on destination marketing. The chamber is its own independent organization. People don't, I think, realize the split. It's a little confusing, and it is. It is confusing because we hire, so to speak, the chamber. We contract the chamber for visitor services, the uptown information center, where you get all that information, information that is actually playing to educate visitors in hotel rooms, information that's in the state guide that tells people, you know, how to even drive in a roundabout when you come to Sedona. All that information, those are services that we contract. That is very different than the chamber, which has its own hat independent of the city that serves its businesses that are its dues-paying members. So I think people are not clear on that uh, because it's a just as if we buy water from a company, right? That's a contract we have with that company, right? It's not – it doesn't make it the city's water, and we can't control what the company does with its other clients, but the chamber and the city council, city government, are intertwined in a way in Sedona that they're not in a lot of places. Should this this intertwining, should things, should there, should there be a divorce? Should there be a breakup and a clear line uh, between what the council does and what the what the chamber of commerce does? In spite of what you may see on social media, there are many tourist communities that always do the same thing. In fact, in some communities, bed taxes go entirely to destination marketing and and really also to destination market to tourism management and that's really what we pay for in Sedona is tourism management 
And because what does that they're, they're, consist they're of? the experts. Well, trying to get information to people that need it, tourists that need it, get them the information they need to... to Such as driving in a roundabout. <laughs> driving a roundabout. But also these days, what, what we have done with the chamber now is said, we want your message to be about sustainable tourism. We want it to be about helping to protect the environment in Sedona so it will be here in the future. And, and that is really... Uh, uh, an extremely important message to get out to tourists, and it's difficult. <laughs> it's easier. It's easier to get out to them. Uh, people on on social media, and, and I know there are people who always hated the, the Sedona city government, are saying that uh, that your sustainable advertising is still advertising in the worst negative sense. Is still promoting Sedona. If we don't tell people how to behave here, who will? So we've got to get that message out. The the leave no trace message is really critical in Sedona and many every tourist destination that there is. Same thing. So and why aren't you solving all the problems that are outside Sedona, like this house in West Sedona that has too bright light? Why isn't why isn't the city solving problems that are in a county and in you know? We have no jurisdiction. Yeah, <laughs> we do work regionally, though. I mean, if problems are brought to our attention that are outside of our area. We certainly work with the other governments and let them know and try to bring it to their attention. And we we always can be a messenger for our citizens. We can always be an advocate for our citizens. But jurisdiction is an important issue. And and philosophically, we're not necessarily in agreement. Mm-hmm. Camp Verde and Cottonwood, as examples, want to to be building more, developing more, bringing more business and tourism to their areas. Uh, We're oversaturated. So, you know, that's not necessarily the same same messaging in the same situation. So, for example, on on, uh, lands right immediately adjacent to Sedona, uh, you know, we've been trying to work with the Forest Service and the county on the impacts of, of OHVs, for example, mm-hmm. motorized vehicles. And uh, and that takes a lot of coordination and collaboration, but we're working with them in ways that will enhance and improve the situation for everybody concerned. But it's much more complicated because of all the jurisdictional issues. The same thing goes for um, emergency evacuation, fire preparedness, those issues. You know, there are many agencies involved. Sedona, uh, we are we work with the two counties that we are split between to which actually offer the emergency services and preparedness and evacuation. They would handle all that. So all of that, all of that integration has to happen you need the federal level regarding the forest service land you need the county level regarding the actual emergency services you need the local level which will deal with the citizens so on all of these issues um, again part of it being because we are a beautiful area somewhat secluded because we're surrounded by these red rocks and forest land we're sort of like a little island there (laughs) and among the island we have to work with the ocean that's around us yeah, I would think that would be very important. Um, what do you see, folks see for the upcoming year? You did a lot of stuff in um, 
21. What's happening? What are you what are your plans for 22? Anybody? Uh, well, we 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 will continue to work on our transit system. That's one of the most important things we can do. And it'll we accelerated the trailhead shuttles, but the rest of the program is also ongoing and that's probably one of the best things that can help with 179 tie-ups because people when we get transit to and from the village uh, on a more regular more often basis then that's when people will use transit is when they don't have to wait more than 15 minutes yeah for people it. And, really and hate so that waiting. can make a difference on 179 uh, so good luck on the transit thing people are so attached to their cars it's they such are. a it's Americans such a love their cars. i mean they don't want to get out of those cars. they want to drive to the car and they want to get out and do whatever they're going to do and that's that but you know in in many tourist destinations uh, you cannot use your car. The only access you have is through uh, public transit to get to certain locations. If you want to go there, then you have to take a bus or you have to take a shuttle. And I think we're going and we're starting to do that, you know, working with the Forest Service on some of the sh- shuttle he- uh, sh- transit uh, shuttle head locations where parking will not be available or very, very limited. Uh, at certain times of the day, yes. at certain days of the week, that's how it'll start till we see how it works. But, but I mean, Sedonians, the local citizenry, is going to hate having to take a bus to the trailhead. They're used to driving right there and parking. And it's not just the tourists. Everybody in Sedona uh, has no, at least knows somebody who hikes a lot. Right? Yes, but these are not the trailheads that most local residents go to. Yes, They're don't the trailheads do that, not list those ones. <laughs> <laughs> the trailheads that most the, visitors go to. The, the Secret Seven campaign is still alive and well, and most most Sedonans know the trails they want to go to, and they don't they don't go to those real popular trailheads as often. Certainly, you would would calculate like if you if you want to climb up a Cathedral Rock, you don't do that in the you know late in the day you go really early and you go during the week i believe the initial plans for the for the trailhead shuttles is thursday through sunday right Mm -hmm. so there will still be days of the week when people can drive to trailheads and and then the underpass at Talakapaki is another thing that's coming what about advertising coming to sedona during the week instead of on the weekend oh we've always done that we've been doing that for years and how about advertising that gets people to come on the least there is no more least. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. No, the there? shoulder seasons. It's, we've been doing that, using that strategy for many years. Now, are you giving money to the Chamber of Commerce for destination marketing? No. Yes or no? No. 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 You're not giving them any money for it. Well, we're about to have, have another upcoming session this week to decide how, how it will go for another year. But, but this for year but, 2021, but currently no, what absolutely we're not. in, they are not getting that half a, approximately half a million dollars that we had allocated. You have to remember something, though. We have a lot of corporate, uh, you know, we've changed. We, uh, we've moved from local, locally owned a lot of oh, our yeah. tourism businesses yeah. to to hotels, corporate yeah hotels. hotels and also like the pink jeeps and things like that and they we can't stop companies from advertising themselves and, and they all do they, <laughs> they all, all do, do those the Hilton companies. the Hyatt the Marriott, Marriott. right yes. and you're you're not even 
talking to people who are making local decisions. You're Correct. Ta- you're ta- they'll do some sort of statistical study, and they'll decide to do advertising in this spot at a certain time, and in that spot in another time, and they're giant corporations. And they now own, I think, all I've heard all but three hotels. Yeah. And um, then, then the Jeep companies have all consolidated with with the ownership I'm not familiar with. So there's lots of challenges. So what do you see as the biggest challenge? I've been running out of time. What do you see as the biggest challenge coming up in, in um, uh, next this year? I guess I keep referring to it as next year, but it's actually now 22, 22 is, is this year. Um, when you're on social media, the misinformation, the fog of misinformation, angry, wrong people is just astonishing. It's sort of like whack-a-mole explaining this is not in the city limit. And then there's a, it'll start up again, and then they'll be, no, that's not in the city limits. And it, you've got to, uh, some people are out there doing a yeoman job trying to explain just sort of facts. But where can people go? I guess I changed my topic. Where can people go to find out information about what the government's actually doing, what the facts are when they hear these rumors that are all over social media? We actually have an informative website, the city. Um, but, you know, people will go to some Facebook group page for information on something before they will actually go to the source, which is kind of an amazing way that our culture works these days. But on the city's website, you'll find news stories of information that we would like people to know right on the homepage. Um, You can find anything. It's got a wonderful search engine. If you're looking for information in depth on any topic, put in a couple of words and and you'll get right to it. Uh, So I do urge people to go to SedonaAZ.gov and really look for information from the source. Yeah, there is just... um a sea of misinformation out there. It's disturbing. And I guess it is my my bad that I didn't realize how significant it was in Sedona. I assumed that all this world of misinformation that we've done shows about was out there somewhere. I didn't realize it was right here. Mm-hmm. And people well. argue on social media over the, the facts and the information between each other. You know, it's a it's yeah. kind of an interesting <laughs> phenomenon as well. People trying to educate others uh, and get pushback. And people well, you who just don't want the facts to be the facts. Yeah. It becomes like a big dysfunctional Thanksgiving family dinner <laughs> where you'll have maybe three or four people. You'll have a thread, some topic that starts, and comments start. And by the time you get up to ten comments, everything after the first ten becomes two, three, four people that are arguing back and forth, back and forth for the next 400 comments. It's... Uh, it's an interesting phenomenon. I think we have to leave it on the, that oh, but note. Before we leave, oh, before okay, we leave I just want to mention that we did pass the, the city's uh, climate action plan this yes. year, and I don't want us yes. to forget that. That was a major accomplishment. It yes. is a major accomplishment, and, uh, and we've increased the staff there mm-hmm. so that we can do more with uh, sustainability and we've also purchased electric vehicles uh, even a motorcycle for the police <laughs> hybrid police cars i mean we are really moving to uh, to to be as green as we can and we have an energy retrofit program that we're about to start 
So well, there's a lot of things happening in that space as well. well. We should do a whole program on that, I think. Because mm-hmm. I think it's a complex issue. You should look at the topics and, individually, and the major to, topics individually. And yeah, I think we need them. Well, we've got one minute left. Um, <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, Democratic Perspective has been on the air over 10 years now. In, in April, it will be 11 years. Uh, this last year, we lost our two largest uh, private uh, donors. We really need your economic support. If you will go to our website, there's a little tiny button. I, I keep trying to make them have a great big button <laughs> <laughs> or something that flattens over the whole screen so you can't get out of there and flashes the donate. But we do have a donate button there, and we really need your uh, folks' support to stay on air. I really appreciate you guys, and I want to do more stuff on on Sedona. I like the idea of, of doing something on the environment. Well, now we're really running out of time. <laughs> this show and all our other shows, it'll be available on bvid.org. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.